The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. The Africa Business Report is brought to you by SAA, the ones who fly SAA's growing route network, now flying to Blantyre, Lilongwe, Vic Falls, and Vintuk. Victor Khomaswana, the author of Africa Bounces Back, with us tonight for our Africa Business Report. Um, and it's been a long time coming here, Victor, but the Dangote Petroleum Refinery finally being commissioned on Monday. Good evening, Bruce. It's been a long time coming and it's over budget as most of these big projects are. It was budgeted around 12 to 14 billion dollars. It ended up near the 19 billion dollar mark. But it is worth it. This is a 650,000 barrel per day kind of refinery, which with Nigeria's capacity, well, consumption of 33 million liters of petrol per day, it will be capable eventually of general, of, of, of refining 53 million, which is an obvious case for export, Bruce, but at the moment, it's obviously not at that capacity, but that is that is the beauty of this project. It's a game changer of note because not only will Nigeria be able to meet its needs, petrol requirements on a day-to-day basis, this project also has, has a fertilizer plant, it has a power station. So Lagos will never be the same in 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 a way. It's it's a it's an oil capital of the world of Africa. It's going to be, but of course, Dangote, being Africa, Africa's richest man, decided to change the game of. Petrol petroleum for good. And even though now Nigeria is still behind Angola in the production stakes because of the violence that sometimes disrupts the the, the bank, the, the oil pipelines, it will get back to its number one spot. The only concern by some economists, Bruce, is whether or not Dangote has signed the right agreements with the oil majors, or if he will be importing crude, which will be another paradox of this whole project. But it's good for Nigeria, it's good for West Africa. Four or five presidents from that region, including the president of Ghana, in attendance. It is a big project. And then I was chatting to Whitey Basson in an interview that I'm going to play tomorrow about Africa's demographics. And even though his successes at ShopRite have dialed back on much of the expansion that he embarked upon when he was there, he remains really adamant about the Africa demographic story, the need to be able to supply goods everywhere in Africa into the future. It's a 2050 view. It's a 2100 view. Um, and, you know, in the short term, there's so much negativity and noise around so many of these markets and shareholders are wanting returns right now. But I can't help but think that those that are doing the really difficult and complicated work of cornering markets now will hopefully be rewarded in the future. You know, I, I suppose you are leading to the story about the Chinese corporations looking for skills in Kenya, Bruce. <laughs> you know, I, I live and work on a university campus. I'm very optimistic about the skills of South African youth and of African youth than the trainability. Young people are trainable. They are raring to go. They want to be guided. They are looking for the right programs. And what these Chinese corporations are doing in collaboration with the University of Nairobi, Bruce, at an exhibition is hunting for African talent. Remember, the country companies like Huawei are looking for the techno 
technophiles of the future and they they were in Nairobi looking for the young people, the young innovators. You know about Ebesa, you know about Ushahidi, the, 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 the election monitoring, violence monitoring app. All these were developed by Kenyan entrepreneurs. There are many, M Copa and a whole lot of award winning technological innovations. So what the Chinese corporations are doing and the big ones like Huawei are hosting this annual exhibition with the University of Nairobi to attract the talent. Isn't it a long time since we've had Chinese people going to America for training? Now they are recruiting Africans to be trained in China and linking them to the industry. You talk about the future giant in the making. That is what China is, especially in the ICT sector, Bruce. Yeah, and I think that's uh, uh, the, the biggest opportunity we have is not antagonizing anybody in the world and trying to be besties with everybody. I mean, we are sucking up to China and we're sucking up to Russia at the moment um, at, the, at the risk of antagonizing U.S. investment. But at the same time, the U.S. looks at the African continent, is worried about a, a Chinese scramble for Africa. And I wonder how it's going to play the politics um, of, of, of balancing its short-term interests with clearly its long-term interests. Yeah, I respect the U.S., but I think here they're just going to have to grow up. I'm sorry. They, they, they became the U.S. by doing exactly what China is doing, Bruce, and they, they can't be throwing their toys now that China is overtaking them. That's all there is. When they were doing what they were doing, getting the World Bank all over, over-indebting African countries, they were not thinking about any of that. I, I'm not very sympathetic. I, I respect the U.S. I respect a lot of what they've been able to do. I like their big go home attitude. I like how they encourage entrepreneurship, but I think they just have to play against China on its terms this time around. They are not going to be able to dictate. We are in a multilateral dispensation now, Bruce. It's no longer the world of the Cold War, whether you are pro-West or anti-communist. It's it's a multilateral alignment. We're going to have to find stakeholders everywhere, do whatever we can, clinch whatever deals we can clinch, and the U.S. is just going to have to get with the program. Thank you, Victor Homoswana, author of Africa Bounces.